This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 259, Not My Superman, Fan Ownership of Fictional Characters. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with my friend Evan, Evan David. Hello. And How are you? Steve, Steve McDonald. Hello, friends. How you guys doing? Friendly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. I didn't understand what you guys said because you said it at the same no, time, just, but we, I'm just we, nodding we, my head we, and going just, with it. That, we, you just, that, 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 yeah, yeah. That, I'm pretty good. <laughs> that's good. good, so, good. Here we are, and we are here to talk about a topic that came up because... Uh, well, a couple different reasons, but one of them was because of some conversations we were having about Star Wars, which we will come back to. I promise. Might even be next episode. I'm not sure. Um, talking about the character turns that we are not going to spoil in this episode, but things that happened with these characters in the, you know, what, 30 odd years since we last saw them? Or 40? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30. 30 odd, whatever. And, yep. uh, it also came up then because as I was thinking about that, I thought, wait a minute, how many times have I heard someone say, that's not my Superman, that's not my Luke Skywalker. In fact, Evan, I believe you might have sent me one of the articles that's been going around, but Luke, uh, Mark Hamill has apparently gone on record once or twice saying, this isn't my Luke Skywalker, this, yep. is, this is somebody else's. And... uh yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that now. He did he did backtrack on that a little bit. Um, okay, but he he came out and he was saying this is not where I would have taken the character. This is not what I've done with the character. And then he came out and said, "But Ryan, Ryan, what's his last name? Johnson. Ryan Johnson. He uh, you know, he had a great vision and he did great things with it. And people are calling Mark Hamill a sellout now because he had good things to say about the director." Well, I think his original quote was, I am fundamentally opposed to what you were doing with my character. After first reading it, yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, And you also mentioned that when he talks about Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill doesn't just say, well, he, Mark Hamill talks in the first person. Correct, yeah. <laughs> so whenever he, if you ever go watch an interview with him, he's like, you know, 
it was somebody asked him, you know, have you do Jedi's marry? And he's like, well, you know, if they did, I think I'd have a girlfriend by now. <laughs> Speaking in character as Luke Skywalker. And, and you'll see that whenever you watch an interview with him, and he's talking about Luke. He always talks about himself in the first person. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you have things like, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's first autobiography was, I am not Spock. Yeah. And his second autobiography was, I am Spock. I am Spock. Right. So, so there's there's interesting things here. So it, this conversation kind of lends itself toward, you know, who owns a character? And how do we respond to changes to characters and to things that we don't like about characters? And, and we're not going to get into spoilers about Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Um, so if you have not seen it, don't worry. We're not going to get into specifics about that. Um there's there were some interesting conversations in our episode uh, about what Luke was up to in that time and and how we re- responded to that. And uh, the thing is, when you think about it, uh, for me, like Luke Skywalker, I've lived with that guy in my head yeah. as a character and not just as a character, but as an action figure that I gave motion to and I gave yeah. uh, activity to. And he's not the only one like that. I mean, Superman's been around since 1977. And um, as far as I'm concerned, no, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) I went and saw that movie and I'd seen him in Super Friends. And Evan and I had a conversation with some other people about um, crystal, Kryptonian crystals. Yes, the Fortress of Solitude. (laughs) Yeah, And like to me, the Fortress of Solitude was crystal in my mind. That's what the Fortress of Solitude was. On Super Friends, they never went there, ever. And so it wasn't even a thing in that, but I'd seen it in the movie. And yeah. so that's what the Fortress of Solitude was for me. And then later on in the 80s when I'm reading comics, and I read this comic, and he goes to this Fortress of Solitude, and it's just a door in the <laughs> – it's just a door with in a the ice keyhole. with a huge keyhole. He goes yeah. in, and it's just a building. Like, it's just rooms, you know, and there's no crystals. I'm like, where are the crystals? And see, yeah. for me, it's, uh, it was like it a was giant the, heady and a, a yeah. dinosaur. It, well, no, that's the Batcave. The, the Fortress of Solitude has the Titanic and the, the shrunken city of Candor. <laughs> Joking. But for me, it was the uh, animated series where he hollows out or finds the secret ice cave and just brings stuff in there. And when I saw the the uh, Christopher Reeve version, I'm like, why? Why would he want to spend time there? Why would he want to live there? There's it's so uncomfortable and weird, and I don't like it at all. That was before I had seen the super bed, and and realized that you can actually have a comfortable uh, piece of furniture in there. But that was pretty much it, though. Well, and then they went back to that with Smallville. And Smallville is just referencing those movies left and right. And that was probably the biggest thing for me in Smallville was like the, the crystals and the every once in a while, the music themes and stuff like that, where I felt like Smallville in some way at the beginning anyway, could have fit in between the first half of Superman, the movie and the second half of Superman, the movie, it could have been his adventures, you know, when he's that kid who wants to play football. And wears the red jacket and kicks the football into the next county. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it could have been. Um, but it felt comfortable because it felt like my Superman that I grew up with, Christopher Reeve. And 
and then you get into you know the comics and stuff, and I'm just well, this this feels different and weird and odd, and. Yeah. <laughs> and I was telling Ben, like for me, it's the, it's exact, the exact opposite, opposite. <laughs> experience. <laughs> it's funny. So, so yeah. So these are things that we say. You know, this is not my fill in the blank right there. And so you have Mark Hamill saying it's not my Luke, and you have other people. I, I found the I found the quote. It's, okay, he said there's a fun. He has a fundamental difference of opinion about the character with about how Ryan scripted the character. He yeah. puts the fun in fundamental differences about a character, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought it'd be fun for us to take a look at some characters and where we have said, that's not my fill-in-the-blank there. And and then also some characters that we've had some fundamental changes to that we don't mind at all. And then I think that might lead into some discussions about you know who owns characters and, and that kind of thing. And I think there's right. also a spiritual application that could be brought to this. Um, but we'll see if we can get there naturally or if we're just going to have to follow the outline. Okay. <laughs> what outline? Force ourselves Every, to get there. <laughs> everything we do is completely genuine and off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. This is mm. the first I've heard of this outline you mentioned. Well, we, we also not supposed to lie, Steve. But, uh, so I, I, uh, yeah, joking I apologize, is not lying. everybody. Mm. Oh, is not there you lying. go, there you go. Joking is, you heard it from Steve. <laughs> okay, so where do we start? I think we start at not my Superman. I mean, we've already kind of gone there, but how many iterations of Superman have there been? Where three hundred seventy-two? You just say to yourself, ah, oh. and that's honestly probably the one I've heard the most. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is people say, that's not my Superman. That's not my Superman. And, you know, the Superman is so different. And, and Man of Steel is, I think, the one of the biggest um, offenders of, of causing people to say, not my Superman. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. Because he killed somebody. Um, and, <laughs> yes. you know... <laughs> Superman, I think, is is probably the best example of this in pop culture because he is the like the grandfather, like one of the grandparents and founding fathers of pop culture, modern pop culture. He is Luke Skywalker's Luke Skywalker. Uh, if you hear, you know, Mark Hamill talking about his pop culture influences as a child who he looked up to, he always talks about Superman. And so, I mean, you he's been around for over seventy five years now. So you have generations of like at least three, maybe four generations of people who are growing up with this character and all at different times and different iterations and and all that stuff. So, yeah, he's a great example of of where somebody can grow up and be so attached to the Superman with the crystals and the people going back in time and the circling the earth. And then another person can grow up with the Superman who gets knocked around by 50 caliber bullets. Um you know, <laughs> and, uh, has never, you know, that doesn't have any idea about his Kryptonian heritage. He's piecing it together himself with different tidbits. He can find that was me. So, uh, uh and, yeah. then, and then you can even have a generation of people who he was black and white and, yeah. you know, and, just, and just was really, really just always right. And always was, one was- and. That was that was my Superman as as George Reeves. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, I 
I mean, I didn't read comic books. I didn't have comic books in the house. I had like the Archie comic books, you know, the Spire comic books, whatever. Um, and, you know, other than that, I would watch TV and, and I would watch, you know, Leave it to Beaver and, and Father Knows Best. And then there it is, The Adventures of Superman. And there's no there's no supervillains. There's no, no, no know, there's not. <laughs> I mean, he, he's basically fighting, you know, blue collar crime, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, a gangster here and there. And it's the, you know, six shots and then you throw the gun at Superman, that type of a, a you know, a, a ending to most of the shows. But he ducked so, every you know, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the gun was made of kryptonite. Those bullets were just regular. Well, because but, I mean, because George Reeves is a guy. You know, and they're throwing, yeah. even if it's a prop gun, I mean, it's still they're throwing <laughs> a gun at him for real. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, then I had the, um, the super friends and then I had the movie and, you know, at, at some point, I think it was the, the third Superman movie, which was not fantastic. I like that one. I think, I think that's sort of when it turned for me. And I know Evan, you, you and I are, are very different ages and you're influenced by things in a different way than I am. So growing up when I had all that other Superman stuff going into it, and then all of a sudden you had Superman 3, it was just sort of like, that's not my Superman. <laughs> that one that one right there. Okay. That, yeah, was, well, that was that point for me. You know what, though? For me, uh, he, it still was my Superman. It was just a dumb movie. I mean, that was still Christopher Reeve and Christopher Reeve was still, I mean, if you want to talk about who is like, if I had to define who is my Superman, clearly Christopher Reeve is my Superman. Mm -hmm. And he's the voice I hear when I read comics. That's the voice that I hear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I imagine Superman, it's, I mean, it's obviously defined by the music as well. And it's defined by um, the tone of those movies and that, but you know, I tried to watch the George Reeves Superman on TV as a kid, and I, I had a hard time watching it because it just wasn't the same, and it just wasn't it wasn't as exciting, and it was it was slow, and it was black and white, and <laughs> you know, I, I would still watch it because I mean, we had three channels, and right. and an Atari. You know, we didn't even have a VCR. You know, so it's like I'm I'm you still gonna watch it. I'm gonna still gonna watch it because it's on TV. You know, but it wasn't it was just difficult. And and if I was going to say not my Superman, that's probably the closest I would come uh, or the strongest I would come to saying not my Superman was when I was a kid back then. You know, I, I wouldn't have known the phrase, but just been, oh, this is not <laughs> this is not my Superman. <laughs> and, and for me, super my Superman is the uh, John Byrne Man of Steel reboot after um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I'd also say it's probably Tim Daly and George Newbern's portrayal in the Superman and Justice League animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, just growing up with those cartoons, and I would read all those comics, uh, you know, post nineteen eighty five. And so, you know, where Superman, he still got, he still has problems, and he's still, uh, you know, he's vulner- more vulnerable than he was in the past, where like right. nothing can hurt him at all now he can you know get knocked around by some bullets or uh or the super villains but he's still just i'm doing what's right because it's right and if i have a problem i'm gonna go talk to my dad about it who's still alive and not dead in kansas (laughs) and 
you know, I'm going to have struggles trying to woo Lois Lane because I want her to love me as Clark Kent, not just as <laughs> Superman, you know, and I have, you know, one one vulnerability, which is kryptonite, which I I resonated with because my vulnerability is is pollen. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, the magic? same. And as you know, yes, we share that weakness as well. And um, <laughs> so when. When after Flashpoint happened and they swapped to the new 52 Superman, that was the point for me where it's just like, nope, this guy is he's cocky. He's not dating Lois or not. You know, he's he's dating Wonder Woman. He's not working at the Daily Planet. Um, you can't see his neck when he's wearing his costume. Just no. So um, along with that, though, I'm on that timeline with you. Evan, except for mm-hmm. one difference, the stuff you're talking about that was like you're saying you're Superman, the John Byrne stuff, and and mm-hmm. uh, and that the post crisis where they erased history so they could start from scratch. That is where I started to be more accepting of things not being the same as what I had known before. Uh, around that time is when World of Krypton came out as a four issue miniseries, and mm-hmm. I I bought it and I thought it was really interesting. Again. It was a little bit jarring for me because it wasn't Krypton as I knew it with, um, you know, crystals and and uh, and oh, what's his name? Uh, Kal El. Uh, no, J- yeah, Jor El. Um, it was uh, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't Marlon Brando. It was you know, it, it was this completely different thing, and. This is where I started being like, wow, wait a minute. There's some, this is cool. It's, it's similar. So it's, it's a world that I'm not completely foreign to as far as knowing what's going on, but it's interesting and it's, it's weird and it's, it's fun. And the John Byrne Superman, um, we had those in my, one of my classrooms, uh, because my, uh, English teacher was given a whole huge stack of comics, uh, by, a barber shop that went out of business. And uh, so we had all these, the stack of comics and they all had in, in Matt and in, in marker written on the front of each one P four, which was portable four <laughs> because we were in the portable classrooms and that was the four, you know, room number four of the portables. And so um, I still, have, she let me then keep some Star Trek comics, which was cool um, from that stack uh, at the end of the year. But there was some of that stuff in there and, and reading it was just, Oh, so this is not like the stories that I am familiar with as far as, um, George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, um, some of the cartoon Superman stuff, uh, super friends, but it's really neat, even though it's different. And so this is where I started being accepting of these kind of different visions of characters and realizing and understanding that there were different visions of these characters. And then, Right after that was around that time where I started reading a lot more Star Trek novels. And you have these kind of contained universes of the universe. So there's Star Trek TV and movies. There's Star Trek novels. And there's Star Trek comic books. And it's kind of these three lanes where they're all different. And, the, you know, if you, if you do something in the movies, it railroads uh all of the books that might mention something that just got erased because a movie said something and (laughs) the comic books, even um, where the comic books would try and fill in the gaps between the movies, but that's next to impossible when you're looking at star Trek two and then star Trek three is like two weeks later. 
And then yeah. Star Trek three and Star Trek four are like five minutes later. <laughs> and, and they do like two and a half years of comics in between these movies that are actually taking place. Like, okay, Star Trek two just happened. And now we're going to have, uh, these, these things are going on that could never have happened in that amount of time. And so it just gets basically erased. I mean, they, they tried hard to do a good job of tying it up nicely and they kind of do, but that's around that time. It just, the things that I was really into, I started realizing, Oh, there's just these different versions of it. And I was intrigued and accepting of it. For me, when they started switching to the new 52, I just quit, uh, reading DC comic books pretty much. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just stopped collecting them. And part of that was it was the exact timing when I started traveling with live action. So I didn't necessarily have a lot of time or access to the comic books. Mm-hmm. But whenever I went to the bookstore to pick something up, I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. This is terrible. So, <laughs> and then when I got off the road uh, and moved here, then they started doing the rebirth stuff. I'm like, wait, what, what's happening? And so it's like perfect timing. I came back on board when they when they fixed their egregious mistake. And <laughs> and Ben for for me like for most things I am I think I'm okay with people tweaking things as long as they, you know, keep like for these iconic characters I think as long as they keep the core things tweak away, you know. Um like they they changed a whole bunch of stuff between uh pre-crisis and post-crisis Superman. And they change the, they change them for the movies and stuff, um, and I'm I'm fine with that stuff. Um, but I think with the new Fifty Two, my problem was that I feel like they changed some of the fundamental things that I I think of when I think of Superman, um, and that's why I just didn't like it. Um, but like with Man of Steel, I I mean they made some changes, but I was okay with all that stuff and um, with the different animated series and and uh, small villain things. Is Man of Steel the one that he finds out that he has a, a child? No, no, that's that's Superman Returns. <laughs> okay, that's that was another time where I said to myself, you know what, this is not my Superman. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of like you know, I, I took my son to go see it, and it's like, oh great, now I have to have a discussion about this whole thing with my son, who's you know not even really at that age, and it's like way over his head, and he's like, wait a minute, Superman has a kid so is it super boy and you know i mean it's just like layers of awkwardness that you now have to deal with (laughs) yeah yeah well but see the layers of awkwardness for me i mean that starts back in superman 2 which my dad did not let me watch for a long while uh because i mean superman 2 came out i think i was i don't know seven or eight and i don't know if my dad saw it or read about it but that's where clark kent sleeps with lois lane and yeah, so yeah, suddenly you have this you. like scene where they're just they're in the comfortable Fortress of Solitude crystal bed that you were mentioning, Evan. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just one of those. Huh. OK, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, and, and that's where that kid came from. Yeah, I, I think that's the implication anyway, is right. this time when he was human, he was able to spend time with Lois Lane and um. Maybe it's not exactly from that, but I think it is. All right. So not my Superman. Uh, What else? Where else would you go with that? Ben, that's just not my Santa. (laughs) Wait. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's (laughs) let's take that trail. And where is that going to take us? (laughs) 
You know who's not my Santa? Uh, no. Elf's Santa from the movie Elf. And that's not my North Pole, and those aren't my elves, and I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> wow. And I do not watch that movie at Christmas or any other time. Have you seen it? Tell us how you really feel. Unless forced to. Yes, I've seen it. Okay. Because I am forced to watch it <laughs> against my will. Oh. Um, Every but. year my kids ask if we can watch that stupid movie. I don't like it either. And every year it's just, nope, nope. Why not, Dad? I don't like it. That's it. I just like, leave it on. That is the only just, reason for us not to watch it. I just leave it on the shelf. Ah, One you time, leave Elf on the shelf. Eh? That's funny. One time, <laughs> one time we were watching it at a Christmas party and we get uh, two-thirds of the way through and everybody looks at each other and we're like, Okay, we've 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 watched all the funny parts, right? Yeah, we can turn it off. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and we just turned it off. <sighs> not a great Yikes. movie to me. No, no, I, no, I, no, I, no. I'm not going to hold it against anyone who actually does like it, but you know, I, I can't. I just can't. I cannot abide that movie. Yep. So yeah, he's not my Santa. But there's some bad Santa representations in the the Rankin Bass and. You know those those types of things too. I mean, what was the? I just we just saw one on uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, which was uh, the year that Santa almost didn't come or something like that. It was terrible. The year without a Santa Claus? No, what? no, no. It wasn't the year without a Santa no. Claus. It was. Um, it was live action. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although they did do a live action year without a Santa Claus, I think. But no, it's. Uh, oh, what was it called? The Christmas the that Christmas. almost wasn't. Yeah, the Christmas that almost wasn't something like that. Yeah, oh, that was. <laughs> and the, the, the Santa Claus is just like, I mean, there's no reason for him to even be in the places that he's. I mean, it's just it just doesn't. There's there's actually some interesting stuff that they do with the the mythos in that movie. That I'm I'm not just trying to trash the whole movie, but the Santa is just like this little milk toast. I'm not going to, you know. Uh, try to deal with it because you know, and then it's like he's he's like children you know what wait a minute i mean it's it's like he's afraid of children he <laughs> is afraid of children he gets hired to be a toy store santa the first one ever but he has to overcome his fear of children yeah which are his reason for being <laughs> like they're like he literally exists as a mythological creature to give toys to children. I don't understand how he got from the point of birth to I give toys to children and makes it that far (laughs) without having interaction with children at all. It is (laughs) laughable, which is why they did. It's it's part of the new season, the um, the Jonah season of Mr. Science Theater. There are three Santa Claus movies uh, that Mr. Science Theater has done. One of them is um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. The other is, I think it's just called Santa Claus, but it's um, a Mexican movie where he is being uh, tailed by the devil Ugh. and the devil wants to stop him from delivering toys. And it's really, really interesting and not good, uh, mm. but made funny by Mr. Science Theater. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So what would you what would you guys say like composes your Santa Claus then? Well, I, a lot of the rank and bass stuff is is my Santa Claus. Um, unless you're getting into like 
the, you know, the real guy, the, the, you know, St. Nick or whatever, but yeah. Um, I'm talking about the fake guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the, the fake guy, you know, I, I guess spoiler, I, should we play the music? <laughs> Santa's not real. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, but for me personally, it's, it's as little as possible. The, the, the Santa should s- sort of just be a shadow of, you know, what Christ is and what uh, uh, St. Nicholas, you know, was to those people. Um, and whenever he comes out of it too much and has too much of a personality and there's too much of Santa Claus, you know, what people you know know as Santa Claus, I guess, nowadays, it's too much for me. And sometimes it's not too much that I won't watch it or I won't enjoy it, but it's just it's like it's like watching someone else, you know. Okay, maybe that's Chris Kringle or someone, but it's not Santa Claus, you know. Um, and you know, sometimes you can sort of get by by doing that, you know, just sort of move on. Okay, I can enjoy it by not, you know, painting the word Santa on it. You know, I can just sort of call it uh, uh, Mr. Christmas or something, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, whenever it gets too far past the shadow of Christ and the shadow of, of St. Nicholas, it gets a little bit too much for me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't place as much emphasis on, on that for, for me, Santa needs to have the beard. He needs to have some magic and he needs to love children and want to give them toys, you know, and, you know, and, and and so there's a lot of different Santas that fit that, but I also want him to be a good guy. You know, I don't want him to be, uh, you know, just this, maybe a postmodern cynical version. Um, yeah. I, I'm not in it for that. And, uh, yeah, he needs to be steadfast too. He doesn't, he, yeah. he shouldn't yeah. be a change character. He shouldn't be like convinced. Oh. That, oh no, you have to be, you know, Santa Claus. I don't mind I don't that though, because him. the idea of him being Santa Claus for like thousands of years and it's well, at least 2000 years anyway. Um, he, he, I could see him getting tired of it, you know, and, and, and not wanting to come to a, a town because a mouse wrote him a letter that said, I don't believe in you. Um, <laughs> so. I, uh, I kind of come, I guess I kind of combine uh, the rank and bass stuff. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street from the 90s and uh, the Polar Express probably make up my my picture of Santa. And, and all the advertisements from Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Adverti- advertisements. And Miracle yeah. on 34th Street uh, original or or new, um, you know, you just you have that little bit of um, magic, you know, possibly, mm-hmm. and you have that little bit of uh, he's he loves children, he just wants to do good for people, and I, I think the other thing maybe to add in there is he's a little naive. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I kind of like uh, about different variations on on him is that you know when he goes and interacts with real people, uh, he believes in the best, you know, and. Uh, there are some rank and bass versions of him where he is cynical. Yeah. Well, the part, yeah, uh, you're without a Santa Claus. He's like, I don't think kids care about me anymore, so I'm not going. I've got a cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, outside of fictional portrayals, I do, uh, I, I agree with Steve. I, he is kind of like a, a figure that can point to Christ and God. Um, and so I, and I think that, the one that comes closest to that for me is the Polar Express one. And I've, 
explained that before in previous episodes, so I won't go into it here. But and you'll get to explain <laughs> it again once we finally get around to watching the trilogy of terror Christmas movies. <laughs> you'll get your chance again. All right. Yep. Okay. Good. Yep. I promise. I do promise. We haven't done it yet, but we will. I promise. It's not. We're not not getting to it because I I hate these movies. It's just we aren't getting to it because it's it's busy, man. There's yeah. there's lots of stuff going on. So. Yeah. All right, Ben, what was the one you were thinking of? Okay, I got to be careful how I say this because the name itself is an unfortunate name. But so I'm just going to say not my Marvel Swamp Monster, okay? R.L. Um, <laughs> Stein did his five-issue miniseries of Man-Thing, and it was not mine. I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it and it just he changed the character so much and you know what he did to change the character and and this is this is bad but he gave it character like <laughs> like the character of the man thing swamp monster is uh, you know a shadow figure in the in the in the background of other people's stories uh mm-hmm. where he's drawn to emotion and especially extreme emotion. And so you have a story that's going along with people. And then there's these things that happen with these people. And, you know, he's drawn into the story because of their emotion. And then he becomes this chaos factor that sends their story in a completely different direction. Uh, whether it's, you know, killing a character uh, who wouldn't have been killed otherwise, or, or stopping a crime that would have caused problems. Yeah. You know, and then he's also used as a um, a, a source of parody and satire uh, in storytelling, and and at least the stories that like Steve Gerber wrote and and some of the other people. And R.L. Stein gets a hold of him and actually tries to give him character, give him thought, give him you know, and and it may have been okay if it hadn't been the same character, but he <laughs> he, I mean, it's, it's Ted Salas who became man thing um, has his thoughts and his memories and everything. And he's, it just, I hated it. And I bought every single issue just like planning. Oh, it'll be better this time. There, there's a, there's a grand scheme behind this maybe. And I get to the end and there was a grand scheme and it was stupid. I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. And, and the problem was it actually could have been decent and fun and exciting and weird with a big twist at the end, if it had just been better, but it just, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sad. It, it is. Now this is one where the character is so closely associated to the, uh, not necessarily the creator, but a creator who took the character and it was Steve Gerber, um, and just turned it into something that was, it could have just been a monster and, and just another Marvel monster from the seventies, but he turned those stories into something special, with his weirdness and with his, you know, I mean, and, and he's satire. Yeah. I mean, just all these things. And of course he's using all of his talents and skills for a message. That's definitely not a uh, Christian worldview. Uh, but I still really appreciate and enjoy his writings. Uh, not everything, but um, it just, <laughs> and so that's part of it is it's, he is associated with a single creator and when other creators try and uh, replicate that sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't and when they don't try to it, it bugs me and, and i don't like it 
So that that's that's actually one reason I think why we would say this is so fundamentally different with with a character. Superman has been through so many hands, and so yeah. many different people have been involved in, in working on him uh, and doing all these different stories about him. That maybe that's one reason why we are more accepting of a character like Superman to be to go through all these different variations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's also though, it's also your entry point. At what point do you yeah. come to the character and that, or what, what point does the character touch you in the story? And that's probably the, the one that you want to latch onto and say, Oh, I wish this character was always like this. Uh, unless they become something much better. Right. You know, and you know, cause my, my entry point to Captain America, for example, is, uh, the TV movies and one <laughs> Avengers comic that I had. And when, wow. when I discovered Captain America on the comic shelf, uh, at the grocery store in, again, we're talking mid or late eighties where I think it was Mark Gruenwald who was, uh, writing him. It might not have been yeah. that, but, um, but he, he wrote him for most of the eighties. Yeah, and and th- those comics that I picked up were fantastic, mm-hmm. and and that became kind of my entry point, you know, part two, <laughs> to to the character and and to see, oh, okay, so he is he is kind of cool, <laughs> and and not just cool because I'm watching him on TV when I'm what six or seven years old and don't know any better, but it's something on TV, you know. It's yeah. it actually was there was good storytelling going on. I had the the same uh, feeling with uh, Fantastic Four, where you know early Fantastic Four just sets the stage, and you know what the Fantastic Four are about, and then it goes through these years where like the wrong people are doing it, and they're just sort of like doing something and it's flopping along, and then John Byrne gets a hold of it, and you're like, yes, this is the Fantastic Four, this is the world's greatest comic magazine, and then like he leaves it. And it's like floppy again. And you're like, is it ever going to be good again? Can anyone ever do this good again? And then Walt Simonson gets it. And you're like, yes, this is a Fantastic Four. And it's like, it just keeps going through those cycles where it's like the wrong person gets a hold of it. And then someone good gets a hold of it. And then the wrong person. And it, But, you know, it's I keep holding out that it's going to be like something epic next time. And someone great is going to be able to, you know, but... Uh, you know, for for a while there, it was it was tough to uh, tough to have to deal with that, <laughs> especially when John Byrne just sort of like dropped it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting right now because the the Fantastic Four is not active in Marvel Comics, and they have the 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 series right now is Marvel Two and One, uh, and it's oh, really? yeah, well, uh, which was the Thing team up book from seventies and eighties. Where he would team oh, up with just what, what? Marvel. Oh yeah, Marvel two and one. Yeah, yeah Mar- Marvel two and one, and yeah. it, it, that was the Thing's book. Well, this book now is the Thing and Johnny Storm, and I love it because it's just the first of all the legacy where it's reflecting back to the Thing's old book, but then also it's two. It's just two of the Fantastic Four, and <laughs> I, I just I think it's such a clever clever idea. And I actually read the first issue; it was really good. It was, it was surprisingly good. I'm going to pick up number who's, two. Who's doing it, do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I have it right here. And who is writing this? Zadarsky. 
That's okay. his last name. Is that Chris? <laughs> Chris Zdarsky, maybe? If you say so. Never heard of him. I'm, I'm Sorry, Chris. <laughs> well, you know. Chris, if you're hearing no, this, you want to be on the show. Chip, to, Chip, Chip, Zdar- if you wanna... Chip Zdarsky and Jim Chong. And... Jim and Ch- Jip and Chim, if you, yeah, I'm no. sorry, Chip and Jim, if you want to be on the show, I, I, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying I don't know you guys, so you know, come on the show if you want. I don't. I'd like to get back into Fantastic Four if it's going to be, you know, even if it's two. It's two you of know, the Fantastic two. Four, and they're on the mission to try and find the rest of the family. Okay, well, all right. Nice. Um, another one for me would be Batman. Oh yeah. Well, and that's again, that's an easy one to latch onto your favorite because there's so many and he's so popular yeah. and he's he's, he's yeah. such a great character. So who do you say is not your Batman then, Evan? Uh anytime Frank Miller even looks at the character. <laughs> just yeah, throw it in the trash can. I don't want it. Don't need it. Don't yeah. care. So Okay. Yep, that's fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean other than that i'm pretty okay like i like i like all sorts of batmans uh i like batman brave and the bold i like batman beyond um the only other time i really say you know i don't like it is when a writer who gets it who's not very talented is writing him but yeah that's, that a, that's, a, that's a different issue yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you bring up Batman Brave and the Bold. That brings up one of my, not my, and that's Aquaman. Yeah. I am, I'm not a fan of his portrayal. If I watch it and squint and do do a Steve and say, okay, maybe he's water guy. <laughs> or or if honestly, if I squint and say, ah, it's Hercules. You know, I, I can go along with that. You know, just that, yeah. that, um, that kind of Hercules from mythology where he's, right. he's just, you know, kind of clueless but always ready for a great, great adventure and very confident in himself and in his his abilities and if i squint that way i'm just oh, okay but i don't like that that variation of aquaman the thing that i do like about that ver- version of aquaman is that i believe that actually helped with the popularity of the character and yes even though he's still i mean he's they didn't just say oh, okay well we're gonna just go ahead and make the same jokes about aquaman that everyone's been making for you know decades now. No, they said we're gonna make new jokes. Like we're gonna <laughs> yeah. we're gonna make him a joke, but different, a different joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and what about I, the brand new Aquaman from Justice League? Yeah, the, you mean the, from the movies? Uh, yeah. I I like him. I, again, it, the character it's is not it, it doesn't turn me off. Whereas the character in, in Brave and the Bold kind of does, again, because they're making him a joke. In, in Justice yeah. League, he tells jokes. He, they, the other characters joke about him, but the movie itself is not making fun of him. Where Brave and the Bold, the cartoon itself is making fun of him. Right. I, I mean. Yeah. But I like that one. It, he, he's one of my characters where you know, as long as it's within reason, like they're not turning him into like a blue gilly guy. I'm okay with it. You know, as long as they're, you know, keeping him aqua and a man. Yeah. As long hair, as the two know? parts are there. Yeah. Well, and part of the reasons they're able to change him around so much is other than like the fans of the character, 
the character itself doesn't have a huge defined uh, well, character. Um, you know, so someone who is not a huge fan of Aquaman, they're not going to care that he's different. The, the things that they know about him, as long as they're there, yeah, I'm cool with it. And then, yeah. and then they can do like they did with me with, with Captain America. This Aquaman is better than any other Aquaman I've come in contact with. Uh, because I haven't come in contact with very good Aquaman. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be, it would be really interesting if, you know, people could just sort of go with one really good version of a character and then not deviate from it. I mean, am, am I sounding like a really old curmudgeon right now? But, you know, things should just stay the way they were in the old days. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so many things that, that are so good for so long. And then someone else comes along, and I don't know what the thought process is. Is it, you know, oh, I can't do that good of a character, so I'm just going to do my own thing? Or is it, I didn't like how that character was portrayed. So I'm going to do, or, or is it someone that says, I just have a brand new version of it and forget what everything else was. Well, I mean, Steve, I, I, sorry, I just listened to a, an interview with a, the guy who is currently writing or was currently writing Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, every, so many people love Chuck Dixon's run on Nightwing where he teamed mm-hmm. up with Scott McDaniel and did that. And like, that's one of the most popular Dick Grayson eras that there's been. Right. So when he got it to do like a rebirth and get Nightwing back to his roots, he's like, I just didn't like any of that. I didn't like any of that. So I don't <laughs> want to do that. So I'm just not going to do that. So, yeah, I think there you have it. <laughs> what you were I saying. Guess. I mean, like, but I mean, what did he like? What, why, why did he want to write Nightwing if he didn't like the most, you know, <laughs> a critically wait, wait, wait. acclaimed version of the Critically character. acclaimed and popular doesn't mean everyone loves it. You know, I mean, we would probably True. agree that there are things that we that are critically acclaimed that we're just uh, it doesn't resonate with me. And so for him, he's the one given the, the reins to the, the vehicle. And yeah, OK, he's but the guy who's, who's the person giving him the reins that says, let's just do something completely different than the critically acclaimed thing. Well, you, know, you know, at some point, that's that's where it boggles my mind. Well, I hear the president of DC or whoever's in charge uh, doesn't night doesn't like Nightwing, so that could have been uh, part of it. Uh, this guy, the guy I was talking about, the writer, he's the guy who's responsible for taking Dick Grayson and he's uh, ditching Nightwing and becoming a super spy. Okay, so <laughs> that's yeah, a different see, direction. It is, but here's the other thing: you you sometimes have to say, okay, we're going to take some chances here. We're going to try something new. We're going to try something different. Yeah. The old stuff that everyone loves has been done and people love it. And if I try and do it again, are they going to love it? Or are they going to just think I'm copying the old stuff and just retreading the old stuff? Sometimes that's what people want. Just retread the old stuff. Just yeah. do the stuff that was good before. But Why then can't they do that? Well, well, they, because then you don't get <laughs> you don't get anything don't new. Get, yeah. Like you don't get uh, Tom King's vision series which is a complete departure from what the character's done before, but it was awesome. And uh, now he's doing the same thing with Mr. Miracle. I haven't read it, but I've heard good things. And I, I plan to read it eventually. So, I mean, sometimes, I, but those, granted, those are kind of sideline characters, but uh, 
sometimes you it does work if you take something in a new direction, but sometimes it does not work. Um, yeah, well, so, and, and then yeah. sometimes it does not work because you have people who are just, I only want the same thing. Uh, and and it, which which voice do you listen to? Well, the one that's paying the money, you know. <laughs> so so if yeah. the, if everyone who says I if there's a bigger group of people saying we want the same thing, then that's where they're going to you know that's they're going to be their true north. But if it's the bigger group saying ah this is this is not working, we don't like this thing that you're doing. That's this well, then that that becomes your your true north again. And the, I mean, well, everyone's this- chasing the dollar. I mean. Yeah, there's no I mean, that, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, but this issue is why we have Elseworlds. Um, so if you want to do something super drastically different, just do it and say it's not part of this continuity. It's yeah. a one shot story, you know, something like that. Who knows? Um, do you guys want to talk about characters that have had drastic changes that we don't care that they yeah, had yeah. drastic uh, changes? I'm going to start with Star Trek. Um, there's been a number of times where people have been, well, Enterprise came along. Not my Star Trek. Star Trek Next Generation <laughs> came along. Not my Star not Trek. My Star Trek. Yeah, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. That is so different. It's not my Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. Not my Star Trek. And you you hear it over and over and over again. And, and sometimes they hang on to that. And, and sometimes they are able to come back to it and accept it. But... Um, you know, talk about critically acclaimed Deep Space Nine, critically acclaimed sci-fi TV show, mm-hmm. but you get this not my Star Trek because it's not Next Generation. And so when Voyager comes along, so Next Generation runs out, it's seven years. Uh, Deep Space Nine, I think, was three years in at this point, and they're choosing to do a new Star Trek. So they bring back Voyager, or bring out Voyager rather, and they go back to. Um, you know, starship exploration, everyone gets along and, and that kind of thing. And it's a completely different show. It's episodic instead of serial. Uh, you know, Deep Space Nine had these story arcs that were running and Voyager got back to just every episode is, is interesting adventure of the week. And, and so they, again, they were course correcting to say, okay, people wanted next generation. So we're going to give them that again and trying to work within the confines of, can we make it different still, but go back to the roots of, dis- of, you know, exploration and, and, you know, and, and so what they did was, you know, throw them on the other side of the galaxy where they can't contact the Federation. So they're all out, out on their own. So there's a little bit more level of danger, um, kind of getting back to the old Star Trek where they're, you know, it would take three weeks to get a message to Starfleet command. <laughs> um, and, and so they would have to just, okay, well, we can't wait for orders. We have to. We have to act. You know, and that's the same kind of thing that was happening with, with Voyager. But it was again going back to that old stuff because people were saying D Space Nine is not my Star Trek. Yeah. So to, I thought of what Star Trek wasn't my Star Trek. You know, it's <laughs> it's like I guess maybe like the Marvel Comics version was just like a little bit too out there. But it's like I still collected them. You, you, you mean right after the motion picture? Right after the motion picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing with that. I feel like that still felt like Star Trek. I mean, they were wearing the pajama outfits, but <laughs> I, I mean, and it literally was every issue was a monster. It was, yeah, there was, there were no Klingons. There were no, 
Um, there were were hardly any other spaceships even. I mean, there's one, the one comic I had from when I was a kid of Star Trek was they come to a gnome planet. Like there's a planet and there's (laughs) gnomes and trolls. And when I say gnomes, they are wearing the pointy red hats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but it was again, kind of going back to that original Star Trek series, every issue, new planet, new problem, new planet, new problem. And yeah, and and uh, Evan and I were just talking, I think, about Star Trek Five, where to me Star Trek Five felt like an episode. Uh, it just right. was a, yeah. a two-hour oh, yeah. episode yeah. that really, honestly, it shouldn't uh, shouldn't be a movie necessarily. But you know, they were trying things out, trying to do you know classic. What what makes classic Star Trek? Let's do it. Yeah, something funny. With a purpose behind it, you know, something socially aware. But, you know, let's let's have it have like, you know, modern music and let's have the characters swear a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and then so it's go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so, I mean, all of those uh, there's Star Trek that I don't like necessarily that I don't, I'm not interested in. But because there's so much of it, that's that's just part of what what you're going to end up with is there, especially in each series, there's going to be episodes where you're just like, eh, I'm not going to watch that one ever again. <laughs> well, the interesting thing for me was with like with Star Wars, it was like they could have put out anything. And at the time, I there was there was like you could not do it wrong. I mean, it, like the the Star Wars holiday special, maybe. But even with that, it was just sort of like. You know, you you wake up the next day and you, you can still read the comic books or the, the comic strip or the, uh, you know, whatever it is that's out there. Or, you know, I mean, just everything they put out, it, even if it was bad, it wasn't the deal breaker. You know, I mean, the, the like the, the record, which is uh, the mission to Ord Mantell, you know, it's like it, it's horrible, but it wasn't <laughs> a deal breaker. It was just like, OK, I can. I can sort of see this and it's, you know, the characters, you know, and everything and everything. And it was like, there was nothing that they could do to, to make that, that cool factor go away, you know, and until, you know, probably episode one, but, you know, up till then, I mean, that like there was novels and, and all that stuff. And even the ones that weren't great, you were like, well, okay, you know, I'll still read it because it's it's you know it's those characters, and you wanted to get that whole. I, I think maybe it, it, it's where the, it's where you lose the the chronology, you know. For me, anyway, it's it's like when things start to lose lose itself in its chronology, then it starts to really you know logically lose it for me. So, you know, episode one came along and it's all of a sudden you have to shoehorn all this stuff in and you're like, that's, it's too difficult. I don't want to have to wrap my brain around all that stuff. You yeah, know? because and, that's where you're getting into, again, the movie takes precedence. And so right. anything that they had done in print to, you know, be a, like the, an adventure of Obi-Wan Kenobi, say, in, in the mm-hmm. comics, uh, yeah. doesn't fit into that yeah. and you you have to just okay well do i let things go and it, and it, it almost becomes like the argument um for for why uh you know with with genesis 
you know, if the first five chapters of Genesis are metaphorical, where does it stop? You know, and 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 it's the same kind of thing here where, okay, well, if these, you know, where, is it, where does it stop? Why should I care about mm-hmm. any novel if they're just going to possibly, you know, not, well, let's not erase it, but uh, contradict it. And then later yeah. on, now, you know, just a couple of years ago, they completely erased them. So right. all of that other stuff just completely erased for in, uh, in favor of a new canon. Yeah. Which is yeah. now quickly becoming almost overwhelming. As far as as far as the new canon goes, I mean, it's the same thing with Ultimates, uh, Ultimate Spider Man, Ultimate X Men, uh, yes. all that stuff. the The whole point was we're going to start anew and start afresh, so you can just get some really good classic stories of these characters starting out, and you don't have to worry about hundreds of of issues of back issues and and backstory until they get a hundred issues in and then you do have to worry about hundreds of issues of, of backstory. Yeah. yeah but they're easier to find easy. now. They are. And, and they're, they're not collectors prices. Well, some of them might've been, but they would at least had, you know, reprints and graphic novels and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I found one uh, where they've changed something and I didn't mind it, but I know that it really bothered Ben. So should I say it? Yeah, yeah, say it. I don't know what it is. No, it's keep it the... to yourself. <laughs> All right, Steve, I will. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what, what is it? No, I'm just joking. It, Come on. It is. Jokes aren't lies. The it, Muppets. Oh, the new Muppet show? Yes. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. So. Oh, and I, 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 probably would, I probably would say not my Muppets for that. I think you did say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like that. In so many words, yeah. Yeah, because um, it was a little bit too adult, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I I happened to catch like just the post credit or the like the last five minutes of two or three episodes, and every single time there was just this kind of adult joke to it that I'm just like, well, I don't. And when I say adult, I don't mean only adults would get it. I mean right. it was raw, off color. Um, sexual in nature and it just just didn't feel right i mean even though the first muppets tv special was called sex and violence right let's let's not forget that but (laughs) can we well uh, the the title the title did not accurately represent necessarily the uh what was what happened in the episode but right um but yeah that just that just turned me off uh when it was just oh again Oh, okay. So we're gonna make a joke about a Muppet sleeping with a person. Okay. Yeah, not, uh, not, not, not the, not the stuff I want to hang around my brain. Not my Muppets. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, I mean, do we do we want to go into uh, Star Wars at all? Uh, in general, I mean, we, are, we just talked about it, but as far as like, because. Because we, because this whole conversation is about like how fans feel that they have some ownership of the characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who really owns the character? Well, before we do, one last one that I didn't mind that was a huge difference that people really got up in arms about, um, and I didn't mind because I didn't care, and then I watched it and I really liked it, and that was Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I was a huge fan as a kid. It came along as the new miniseries. I didn't have cable, 
so I couldn't watch it. Um, but people got really mad about that one. One is a basically a kitty, uh, poppy sci-fi show, and then they turn it into this really gritty, um, kitty just, poppy sci-fi show. No, no, a, adult, <laughs> uh, uh, soap opera of a of a sci-fi show, and yeah, it was you know now it's considered one of the classics of science fiction television, um, even even more so than than the original because it was really high quality. So, okay. So let's talk about ownership then. You know, who owns these characters? Is it the creators? Is it the publishers or is it the consumers? And who owes what to who? I think if we're talking legal ownership, I think it's pretty clear who owns the characters. But if we're talking like a philosophical sense, maybe it's different. (laughs) I think philosophically they still own the character. You know, it's the only problem is you have an audience and you have to be faithful to your audience or else you might as well just make up a new character. So, you know, if you if you write a, a uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and then you say to yourself, you know what, I don't like the way Atticus Finch was portrayed. I'm going to write a, a different a different you know, version of this or a different story. And he's going to be, you know, more racist or whatever, you know, just name it something else, you know, uh, examine that a character like that in a different way, whatever. And I, I know that's not the perfect example because I'm, I'm really trying to, to draw a parallel to, to something else, which is star Wars. And, you know, you have characters that are done a certain way. And then you say to yourself, Hmm, you know what? I want to do them a different way, but I still want to make these movies and I'll make the prequels. And, and it's, it's sort of like, these aren't the same characters, you know, they're not. And to try to shoehorn them in and to have them have different, uh, motivations and different, you know, all this stuff, it's, it's disingenuous. And when the creator, when the owner is disingenuous, I think that's when he or she loses the what do you want to call it the intellectual rights to the character let's say and the character becomes something different than it was so it's sort of like you need to have that separation and it's not like you lose the right to the character and someone else can use it and do whatever they want with it it's sort of like you lose it and it goes into the ether until it becomes in public domain. And then, you know, people can legally do what they want with it. Well, and that's the but, idea behind public domain is that eventually these right. characters become an, or not just the characters, these stories become owned by everyone. And so you mm-hmm. have a Sherlock Holmes, right? Sherlock Holmes is essentially owned by everyone. Anyone yeah. can do Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there's still some legal gray areas as far as how and and you know what you're allowed to use from the Sherlock Holmes mythos and that kind of thing. But Sherlock Holmes, essentially, anyone can do anything with it. But will anyone care? Is <laughs> is the big question, and and right. they will if you do good by it, and if you do something either new or interesting with it, or you do something. Uh, that is just very much in tune with the old. And, 
you know, so maybe the new and interesting that works because it's making commentary on the old. Uh, like I think elementary, I think does that with the relationship between Holmes, Holmes and Watson. Now this is me saying this from afar uh, about that, but um, you know, you, you turn it on its head by making Watson a woman. And so mm-hmm. now you're, you're, there's commentary there that's, that's happening. Not just, um, not just storytelling. And, and it's modern America and it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, and then so Sherlock is modern England and, Again, commentary there because of the way that they have to do things different than if you were doing just Sherlock Holmes in the turn of the century of the of you know into the 1900s, and it's it's a different take on the character, just practically speaking, because you have this whole different technology. And the first episode of Sherlock, I remember, you know, they're they're having this uh, um, press conference, and then suddenly all the reporters start getting right. texts, you know, right. and and it's just very much out the gate, different world, different world. And we're using this new world to make commentary on this old character. Yeah, uh, that's a little different because Arthur Conan Doyle just sort of threw the character out there and said, if anyone else wants to do anything with this, go right ahead. Well, I'm you know, not, I'm not have, aware of that, but yeah, but he, he didn't he didn't have that like, you know, hard ownership that so many people nowadays. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's it just he let it go and said, you know, whatever you want to do. So that's why you had people writing plays and, and uh, you know, knock off Sherlock Holmes stories and, and so many things. And there's there's never, a, a, you know, a, a lawsuit or anything. It's just because he just sort of you know, just assented to anyone else taking it and doing whatever he, they want with it. Um, it. It was never his his darling character, you know, either. He wanted to to write other things and p- to be famous for those other things. It just happened to be that this is what everybody glommed onto. And, and you know, that's where he had to make his money. So, you know, that's a it's a really good uh, uh, examination of that type of a character in this type of a a situation you know and then you have uh, you know uh, george lucas who won't even acknowledge the holiday special even though it was you know he gave permission to do it you know it's his characters it's it's something that actually happened it's a you know a, a actual thing with all the characters and all that stuff and he doesn't even acknowledge it no oh, he would absolutely say like, not my star wars to that i mean it's, <laughs> that's not my luke skywalker that I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right in a literal way but at the same time what i mean what else would he say that to a splinter of the mind's eye you know the the roy thomas uh, versions of, of star wars the 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 russ manning comic strips i mean well he what? he was not a big fan of the early comic books um, with with some of the stuff, that, well, he had to because there were there were deals in place and and timelines and deadlines and that kind of thing. Um, but he he did not like uh, Jackson, especially the the six foot green uh, <laughs> uh, ra- rabbit character. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, but you have Gene Roddenberry also disowning certain parts of Star Trek and saying mm-hmm. that they, that's not my Star Trek. Uh, certain, right. uh, I, I don't know if it's every animated episode, but at least uh, <laughs> all but one of the animated episodes, uh, Star Trek five. He said, not my Star Trek. He, you know, wow. he, as far as he was concerned, Star Trek five was not in Canon. Uh, now, wow. but he, at that point had no control over Star Trek. And actually Star Trek the next generation was one of the things behind that for him was to 
get control again on some Star Trek. And mm-hmm. uh, so the first two seasons, he was basically running the show with with showrunners. But um, again, though, it, there were certain parts of things. I think there were even some episodes of the original series that he would have preferred not to exist. And even though he was, you know, producer on the on the show. So it's <laughs> not my See, Star that's, Trek. That's a little rough. Like if you're the producer of a show and then you want to take back some of those actual shows and say that that's not canon, I think that's a little too much. At some point, there has to be an agreement between what's being put out there, at, at least initially as canon, and then have that followed through by the creator. So if it's out there and it's so much like what was out there before, I'll just use the holiday special just to, to throw it out there. It had the same actors. It had the, you know, the, I mean, the droids, it had the, the same people. I mean, it was it's like, how can that not be canon? I mean, obviously, you know, logically we know that it can't be canon because it's garbage, but how could it not be canon if it had so many of the elements of what makes canon canon? You know? Because the people from on high proclaimed it not to be canon. Right. But at the same time, you're watching it in 1970, what was it, 78, 79? And yeah. and you are watching it and you're saying to yourself, this is Star Wars. It has the Star Wars name, the Star Wars logo, the scroll. It has Darth Vader. It has everything that is screaming to you as you're watching it for the first time. Never, never been on TV before. No one's ever seen it. You're watching it. This is canon. This is Star Wars. This right. really happened to these characters that you just saw in Star Wars. And back and then, then it was canon. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Is this is where you get into, and we, we can't say this, you know, with scriptural canon, but there's multiple canons. So I'm reading through the Marvel Star Wars comics right now, and as far as those comics are concerned, that's the story. And it is there's some really good stories in there. But it's not canon. But it's its own canon. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> no, it, it's its own thing. And so you have those hundred and what eight comics. And and the movie comics and and you know from start to finish, that's a a singular unit. And it's a singular unit, but it's not Star Wars canon. What's it's wrong Star with Star Wars that? comics? It's Star Wars comics canon, but you can't have there, two canon. That's, that's the word means. It's it's the singular no, canon, thing that is canon means canon. canon means measure. Right. And and so you does can't it have fit? two measures. Well, but you can. You can. We have yards and we have meters. We have two different and measuring sticks. two sets. different things. Right. Two different th- a yard well, is not a meter. Yeah, exactly. And so the so Star Wars the Star Wars comics, they're its own thing. And there is absolutely right. Star nothing. Star Wars comics canon. Yep. And there it is. Star Wars comics canon. And then you have it's Star Wars. It's not Star Wars canon. Well. So it's two different things. But Steve. The Star Wars comics canon is not the Star Wars canon. So no, but when the, you're reading but you're, the Star but, Wars comics you want it to be cohesive and you want it to, to have continuity, but at the same time, you don't think to yourself, okay, whatever is happening here is really happening to these characters because that's not Mark Hamill. Well, that's, that's, not that's unfortunate Ford. for, that's unfortunate for the way that you read it then, because for me, I'm reading it and I'm like, these characters in these stories, it's a different Luke, but it's not the movies mm-hmm. and the comics go together together. 
and we're talking about the old comics right now. Mm-hmm. The movies and the comics go together, and the movies are part of these comics. Now, the comics are not part of the movies. They're not. But they're part of the movies. You watch them, and then you jump right into the comics, and it's continuing the story in one way. And it's one right, direction. The, and because it's, the movies are part of the the comics canon. Right. But they're also they they are also their own canon themselves and that is the true canon for star wars well here's the problem the problem is there is no true the other thing there is no true canon it's the canon you choose to follow and so when i watch now i'm watching rebels uh with my kids and i know okay this is part of this other thing over here that's what you would might call the official canon right now of star wars and you have these these things happen between episode three and episode four. And in that over there, it's its own thing. And the comics me, over here like, are yeah. its own thing. The novels over here are its own thing. And it's always been like, I, I've always been okay with that since Star Trek, because I knew the Star Trek novels were their own thing. And some of the Star Trek novels were its own thing onto itself. But is it a good story? And is it building on some things I know about? Yeah. And so then the TV shows and the movies, their own thing, and then the comics. So you have these three kind of subsets and one branches out to the other. Uh, so the movies and TV shows branch out into these comics and into these novels, but there is its own separate thing. And I guess the ability to compartmentalize comes in handy here because you're able to say, yeah, this is its own thing over here. I can separate that from this over here and I can separate that from this over here, but there is no true canon because first of all, it's all fiction. And, and second of all, it's these separate units of thing. Now there's the, the stronger, the heavier weighted and, and you know, the movies themselves, no matter what, those are the big things. And it's the same thing happening with Marvel cinematic universe where what, if the movies say it, that's law. And so Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. over here, they have to be really careful not to say anything that the movies might contradict later on because the movies are law. Because they're making half a million or half a billion dollars with the movies. I think my point was that at some level. The creator needs to say, yes, this is canon or no, that's not canon. And keep it that way and be faithful to it. So you don't get stuff that is like, oh, it was canon. Oh, now it's not canon. Or, oh, you guys thought it was canon. And, you know, we sort of treated it as canon until we didn't want it there anymore. And then we got rid of it. There has to be that agreement where this is canon. This is something that is that is always going to be here and never going away. That's what canon means to me. You know, and that's... I just don't. I just don't know if you can say that though. Well, that's one reason I like DC Comics is because they retcon a ton of stuff, but even the stuff they retcon, it's still canon because it happened, and they've come up with an in-story reason for why that bit has been erased from history. And even though it, had, it is erased from history, it still happened prior to being erased. I mean, we, right. we've talked about this before with the Star Wars thing, where when they said all other Star Wars stuff that was not on the screen, you know, and so they said this is this is canon. Episode one, two and three, episode three, episode four, five and six, Clone Wars, 
Not the two-dimensional animated one, the three-dimensional animated one, the two-dimensional animated one, not canon, and new books and, and comics going forward from this point. And so you had people, I, I don't know if you ever saw the video of the guy who just says, well, this is what Lucasfilm has done. And he goes to his bookshelf and just, this book, garbage. This book, nothing. This book, erased. This book, nothing. And just goes through his entire shelf and just throws the books off the shelf. He had like every <laughs> single novel yep. ever written. And he's just going through garbage, 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 garbage. It's worth nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. And I'm just looking at him. I'm thinking, dude, if you liked it, it means something. Like, did you think it was a good story? <laughs> then it means something. It's fun. Sure, it doesn't fit into the current continuity. <laughs> and they have erased it from official continuity now but mm -hmm. it's on your shelf and you read it and you liked it what is wrong with that so it's that's because you want it to be the true thing you want it to be part of the continuity and someone who is the authority is saying no and you have no yeah. saying that it you know, is that's kind the, of i can sort of see it is kind of like if you're you're reading your favorite novel and then you get to the end of the novel and someone has added a page that says, and then they woke up and it was all a dream. <laughs> you know, it or does kind of, like yeah. it does take the wind out of your sails a little bit if it's not the official and you, and mm. with, with not being the official Canon, uh, that means that there's not going to be anything added in the future to the Canon that you liked. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's just yeah. done. You know, it's done. That's, that's true. But the thing you liked is still there. Yeah. You know, and. Right. But it, it's, it's sort of like they take it as in the three dimension and now they just made it two dimensional. You then know, it's like they, they took something away from it by not giving it the credence that you thought it had. What you're saying, Ben, is is how I feel about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, um, because he's not Spider-Man <laughs> to me, uh, but he is a Spider-Man. And I still like his movies. Uh, kind of like I like the Adam West Batman. Where he's not my Batman. But he's a, <laughs> he's a Batman that I yeah. will enjoy watching as long as I just remember that this is a nice little alternate universe that <laughs> isn't the official yeah. uh, thing. Right. So, yeah. right. you know. I, I, and I, I don't know if that's what I'm saying, but I honestly don't know what I'm saying now. I kind of lost the... <laughs> lost the the track but um this does I, I think there is some biblical uh some biblical meaning behind all of this and and that is uh first of all you see things now where you have people rewriting the bible and rewriting mm. scripture and and making it mean what they want it to mean and and i just look at that and i'm like not nah, that's not my jesus but then again <laughs> Uh, okay, B huge example of not my Jesus is uh, the uh, the Coffee with Jesus comic strip, mm -hmm. which says some really good things sometimes about modern Christianity, um, mm -hmm. but also I think gets into some borderline stuff as well. And yeah. I, I can't help thinking that the guy who does that or a gal, I don't know who does that, um, would look at what I teach Jesus when I teach Jesus to the kids in my classroom at, at church, I have a feeling he'd be eh, not my Jesus because, <laughs> you know, and, and so that's, that's the interesting thing is, is we have these different, 
um, images of, of who Jesus is, what Jesus is, what he does. Um, going back to the Star Trek, the motion picture line where I think it's Kirk says to McCoy, we all make God in our own image. And, you know, we, we kind of do, we, we kind of do. Um, but then you have people, um, gun control. I'm just going to go ahead and go there with, with the argument that I saw, um, where you have people saying, you know, Jesus said, take up the sword, you know, and then other people are like, how can you say that Jesus would, would approve of you owning a gun that can take someone's life? How can you say that when Jesus is the one saying, turn the other cheek? And they're like, yeah, but he also said, take up your sword, Peter, you know, and, and it's just this, these images of Jesus that are completely, they're, they're basically the opposite of each other. And I, I, I say, I, I would say neither of them are, I think, the real or, or the most accurate. Um, it, it just, you, now you're getting into some, you're getting into interpretation of, of anything. Mm-hmm. Anything you read, you're going to interpret based on your experience. And you need to hopefully maybe turn off the experience a little bit and turn on the Holy Spirit a little bit so yeah. that the Holy Spirit can guide you in that interpretation um, and not just let it be, oh, this is my opinion about what this means. But Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's oh, where, where the danger is, is that there are so many other Jesuses out there. You know, it's like when I, when I make a point to, you know, a Sunday school class or my kids or something, and I say, you know, you need to believe in Jesus, but you know, I know a guy in New York city whose name is Jesus. Can I believe in him? And they're like, you know, a guy whose name is Jesus. And I'm like, well, yeah, he pronounces it. Jesus, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I know him. Is that enough? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, that's the thing, because there are plenty of people out there that are going to point you to a different Jesus. And you need to know who the actual Jesus is, not just his name. You know, yeah. well, well, and, and here, and, oh, go ahead. This is what's great. This is what's great about, you know, reality is that we do have an official canon and it's the right. true canon. Yeah. And, and this and is where Steve's opinion about canon in fiction translates much better than my opinion of canon in (laughs) fiction is, you know, I'm cool with, Hey, three different star Wars storylines that maybe define things differently. That's not what we have with, with, with reality. Right. And, and you talk about, you know, with using your experience or use or relying on the Holy spirit, but we also have the written word of God. And when you're talking about Jesus, uh, Typically, I think if you're if you're if your version, quote unquote, of Jesus is uh, different than somebody else's, uh, then one or the two of you or maybe both are maybe not taking the entire written word of God into your mind when thinking of your image of Jesus, because we have the picture, the exact picture that God wanted us to have of himself Um laid out for us right there on the printed page. Right. And so that is, that's something that is so important to remember is that did, did Jesus say both those things you were talking about with gun control? Yeah. Yep. But you, you need to look at it all in context and take into account everything he said together, right. you know, yeah. and who he is. 
Yeah, and I, and I simplified that that argument there, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, it just the, it's the the verse in Hebrews: Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He is real and alive and active. And so, when you have your interpretation of Jesus, I mean, one other thing you have to remember is He's real. You know, this is not Santa Claus, where we right. are saying, "Well, there's this, there's that, there's this." This is someone who is not just real, but alive and not just alive, but wants to be a part of your life. And so (laughs) that's where those two different things that Jesus said that you could apply to two different arguments of, say, gun control. uh, That's where you got to get to know him, you know, get to know the guy, have coffee with him, maybe, but get to know Jesus and read the scripture Ask the Holy Spirit to help you with interpretation. So it's not just based on, well, I think this means this because why wouldn't it? Because that's what everyone else is saying. Or why wouldn't it? Because that's that goes along with what I know. And, you know, I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And no, maybe you do. But what's more important, you know, and, and what is the thing that drives all of this? And that's truth. And that's where, again, one canon, one truth and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's either true or it's not. And, you know, in Star Trek, you can have weird things happening in the comic books that don't happen on the screen. And one of them is true in that story. The other is true in this story. But there's only one truth in our in our universe, in our life. And, yeah. So that's, that's yeah. Now, getting into canon with that, that's a whole other story about how the canonization <laughs> of the Bible worked and how they got yeah. books they chose. But, and you know, we're not talking about stuff like, Oh, my Jesus, I prefer the Jesus with curly hair as preferred to the Jesus with straight hair. No, no. I mean, we're, we're talking yeah. about, <laughs> I prefer the Jesus who saves everyone to the Jesus <laughs> who wants to punish everyone. And well, yeah, there's, there's nuances there. Where yeah. it's true, Jesus does want to save everyone. You know, it, he does. There's no one he would want to not come to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he, he doesn't make robots either, right? Exactly. So, and so, you know. so while the truth, there, there's some truth in all those statements. The, the the real truth is nuanced in that he allows free will. He allows people to reject him, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's a part of part of the just the way god made us and he does punish people but not everybody yeah yeah so yeah with not my superman you know why i'm so tuned into that christopher Reeve superman i spent time watching him and spent time you know with that version of superman and yeah. so if you're gonna be spending time with the right version of Jesus, you got you spend time with him and you're going to get to know him. You're going to know him and know him better, man. So yeah. <laughs> and find out what is the truth. I mean, the, the person who was throwing the books off their shelf, if they went back and said, this is why I love star Wars because these, I don't know how many movies were out at the time, six or seven or eight or whatever. I, I think this, just, it was just six at the time. Yeah. But this is why I love x y or z or whatever and then look at the other stuff and say what is about this that didn't make the cut 
you know, when we look at the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Judas or whatever it is, we know that it didn't make the cut because the Holy Spirit was the divining rod there. He was the person that that made the decision what was going to be in the Bible and what wasn't going to be. And, you know, in the Star Wars universe, it's George Lucas. Why? You know, and, and look at it. Go back and read it again. Don't say this is garbage. This is nothing. It means something, but now it just means something different. Yeah. And look yeah. at it. Yeah. And under, try to understand it that way. And, you know, maybe you, you could even write a book, uh, every single one of those things that isn't canon, and say, look, this is probably why George Lucas threw it out, you know, and understand it that way. You know, I mean, uh, issue uh, seven of the, the Marvel Star Wars, it says uh, Han Solo said he never went to Sunday school as a kid. It's like, is there even a Sunday <laughs> in, in, the, in, this, in this world? You know, I mean, it, but it's like it's like it was just something that the Roy Thomas threw in there because it, it sounded funny and it sounded like something that might be said somewhere at some point in in our world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's probably why. OK, George Lucas would look at that and say, well, you know what? We got to get rid of that, because if we have that in there, it's going to cause trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, you end up with a situation then like the new Star Trek where one of the char- one of the actors wanted to say, oh, my God. And they were like, no, you can't say that because they're past God. They're beyond God. And so that wouldn't even be right. an expression for people who don't believe in God. Uh, and then you have someone who is in the new Star Wars movie and utters a word that I have uttered uh, many, many a time that should not. I, I don't understand how that exists in their world. But um, th- there's a spell it. No, a character says Godspeed. Oh, okay. that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> a character says Godspeed in the movie. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Yeah. First of all, cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Second of all, what? God. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a concept of, there, of God. I, I is can, there a person named God yeah. <laughs> that helps people get speed in their things? I mean, yeah, that, that didn't make sense to me. So, all right. Well, it's time to close this down. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you for having this conversation with me. And I do not know what is happening in our next episode, but we do have uh, some fun stuff lined up that we are working on. Some stuff that involves, I don't know, maybe the movie. Well, I'm not going to say the movie name, but if you know what a glaive is, (laughs) uh, then then there's some stuff coming up about that. Uh, if you know what a lightsaber is or a laser sword, uh, there's an episode coming up about that. And if you know what an audio drama is, Ooh, that's you... coming. It's on its yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, Very gentlemen, cool. any final words before I hit the button to stop recording? Uh, yeah. This episode is sponsored by dogwings.us. If you'd like to have them design some cartoon characters or a sports logo or any type of logo for you. Check them out. They designed our podcast cover art. And also, upon further introspection, I'd probably say that uh, the Santa Claus films, more than uh, the Rankin-Bass films, have influenced my view of Santa Claus. That's all for me. As long as it has an influenced view of Jesus, that's a good thing. Yes. I think uh, when we when it comes to canon, I think C.S. Lewis said it 
most clearly and most succinctly when he said, a waltz, which you can like only when you are waltzing, is a bad waltz. And I'm just going to (laughs) say thank you for listening. And in the words of the Admiral, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. J. Samuel. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3780. Once again, thanks for listening. The funny thing is today we were at the comic shop and they had Battlestar Galactica versus Battlestar Galactica. And it is a comic book about uh, the 1978 Battlestar Galactica people, ships, crew versus the 2000 whatever Battlestar Galactica people, ships and crew. And so it's it's Lauren Green and um, oh, who played Commander Adama on uh, the new Battlestar Galactica Rats. Uh, I, I can't oh, remember. I know. It was uh, Sandy Patinkin? No. What? Was it? No, it was no. It was uh, Sandy, the other guy. Sandy Patinkin. It was the other guy who I I, I confuse with him. Uh, I can't remember his name. The guy from the guy from Miami Vice. But, exactly uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. <laughs> yeah.